0: Okay, uh, today we're finding ourselves in Romans 7. Now, last time that we talked, we did quite a bit of Romans 6 and quite a bit of Romans 8, but we skipped a part in the middle. It's not exactly a tangent, but it, Paul likes to go left and right sometimes and just feels like it would have been easier to, to come back to this part. So that's what we're doing today. Let me read it to you, and then let me explain this world that we live in that Paul's painting for us. Romans 7 1 through 14 or do you not know brothers for I am speaking to those who know the law that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives for a married woman oh, sorry. for a married woman is bound to her husband by law is bound by law to her husband while he lives but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Uh, Paul could have switched this the other way as well. That just would, would have been unusual in his particular. Well, I'm not entirely sure on the culture of this time, actually. Uh, But it would mean the same for men too if they were to, to do that. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now... We are released from the law having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Just to pause, Paul's analogy so far was we were once married to the law, but the law died and now we're married to Jesus. And this is a much newer, better, wonderful thing. It's one of those analogies that is hard to perfectly (laughs) tweak into every scenario. No analogy is perfect, but that's what Paul's going for. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? Right? If the law is, is done away with, was it evil? If the law caused us to sin, is it sin? Is it evil? What is the law? People would ask Paul that, and he knew that question was coming in the FAQ that they give him in his time. So he answers it. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? People today seem to say that. By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Again, we usually put a lot of beef on the law. Paul's saying it's holy, it's righteous, it's good, it's not sin. Then it continues. Did that which is good then bring death to me? If the law educates me what sin is and it makes me want to sin, did it, did it kill me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And though the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual. Catch that. That's important to our message. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh. Sold. Under sin. Alright. All of our space is going to take place on this slide. Try to track with me. We've got four characters. That we just talked about. Four characters. The first one. Is the law and the law is a spiritual substance the law is a spiritual substance and okay, the next one is sin our second character is sin and this is a fleshly substance it belongs with the old Adam. it belongs with humans who have messed things up our third is humanity and humanity is a fleshly substance and then finally our fourth character is Jesus and he believe it or not Jesus is a fleshly substance four characters lost and human Jesus for the three of those are flesh one is spiritual and the one that is a spiritual substance is surprisingly of all the law now our whole little message here is going to take place between these four things the first one starts with the law okay the law which was a spiritual word was given down to humanity in the flesh but here's the problem humanity is made of a lesser substance than the law is So when it comes to trying to live up to the law, guess what? Humanity can't do it. Time and time again. There's almost this suspicion that you might have. Did God give us the law knowing that we would fail? (laughs) Like, it started with just like 10 rules, but then it evolved into like 600 plus. What's going on here? Why why so much law of a spiritual substance when we can't live up to it in our fleshly nature? Why did God give us the law if He knew that we weren't going to be able to live up to it? That's going to be important. Paul addresses that. We're going to come back to it. But then there's this other scenario going on. Sin, which is of the flesh. Sin, which is of the flesh, influences the law. So Paul just told us that the law is good. It's righteous. It's holy. All good adjectives belong with the law. But here's what happens, and I've talked about this before. When you get to know the law, you get to know what's wrong. And when you get to know what's wrong, you know you shouldn't do it. My kids used to do this all the time, where let's say Jericho decided that she was going to write on the table or something. I would say, Jericho, don't write on the table. And she would slowly put her pencil towards the table to write on it again. I would say, Jericho, I'm not doing it, I'm not writing. Jericho, I'm not gonna write on the table. Why are you putting your pencil closer to it, Jericho? Why? Because she knew she shouldn't. And she was testing me. Isn't (laughs) that right? Yeah. Until finally the pencil would touch the table. I'd be like, Jericho, I said, don't do that. And then she'd be like, I'm not. And then she'd pull it up. And we'd do it all over again. All over again. Same with Becky. Becky would do this to me too. It might be something else. Beckett, we're not playing video games right now. Reaching towards the controller. Beckett, I said we're not. Beckett, Beckett, I'm not playing it. I just wanna touch it. No, Beckett. (laughs) That's exactly what kids do. That is exactly what humans do. And that is what Paul is saying about the law. Don't do this, don't covet that. Well, I wasn't going to, but you're right. They do have pretty cool stuff. I kind of want it now. No, no, no. Don't covet. I said don't. I'm not coveting it. Where are you going? Just going next door. I just want to play with it really quick. I realize it's don't covet your neighbor's wife. And yeah. <laughs> The word I'm using is not right. I was thinking of like, Dave got a cool smart house. I just want to go play with the smart house. I'm not going to buy a bunch of smart house equipment. There. <laughs> just to rephrase what I was talking about. Anyways, Paul's point is sin influences the law. The law is good, but sin tries to co-opt it and corrupt it. Maybe you've watched America's Funniest Videos or you've seen these viral videos on YouTube where a parent goes up to a kid and puts a bunch of candy right in front of them with the camera on and walks away. It says, don't eat that till I get back. Do not eat that till I get back. They walk away and every video is, you know. They eat it up like the kids shove it. All of it in their mouth, and then the parent comes back and, like, what are you doing? And they'll, like, either spit it back out or they'll just shamelessly swallow it, you know. That's what Paul says happened to the law. God told us, don't do these things, and we said, oh, now I'm interested. The law is good, but sin, capital S, a creature, a being, a thing that exists, corrupts the law, which is spiritual, and makes it bad. But sin also corrupts humanity due to Adam, the first man, messing everything up. Sin has become viral. It's in all of us. It's the COVID that you can't escape from. Everyone has it. In The Walking Dead, you find out if you die, oh, you all have the zombie disease. Like, you do become a zombie. doesn't matter if you were bit or not. Sin is the same thing. When you all die, well... You died in the first place because you had the condition of sin. Adam was told, don't sin, you don't die. But Adam sinned, and so as a consequence, he dies. And that has gotten into every human being that has ever existed. Except for one, of course, we'll get to that. But sin corrupts everything. It corrupts the human flesh. It corrupts the spiritual law. It moves inside of us. So here was the answer. And Paul's addressing this, and we've seen it all over the New Testament. The answer is Jesus. Jesus puts on human flesh. And this is so hard for for most people to understand, because they look at Jesus, and he's doing supernatural things left and right, all over the place, right? Just like whatever you can imagine, it seems like Jesus can do it. But the Bible tells us that Jesus emptied himself. In other words, God decided when he was becoming human, he was going to set aside anything that did not match humanity, any of his Godhood that was not compatible with humanity was something that he would not take into his body. So, inside of Jesus, if you were to say, like what's the spirit inside of Jesus, it's God. It is literally God. But, God has limited himself. He does not have omniscience. There's times where Jesus asks questions because he doesn't know the answers. He does not have omnipresence. Jesus is just one person. He has limited himself. The reason Jesus does supernatural things is because the Holy Spirit has empowered him. That's the first story right before he starts doing miracles. Jesus actually doesn't do a lot of things that wasn't done in the Old Testament. Jesus raised the dead, so did Elijah. Jesus multiplied food, so did Elisha. You go back and forth, you see like some of the greatest things Jesus did had actually been done before. So the people who saw Jesus knew, oh, he's got the Holy Spirit. But still, at the same time, he was God. So Jesus is God putting on human flesh and living by the rules of human flesh. The only reason that he seems extraordinary, supernatural, one of the big reasons for that is because he's fully empowered by the Holy Spirit to a degree that people throughout history had never been empowered before. God granted himself the Holy Spirit in that way. So Jesus puts on human flesh and he comes to us. And here's, here's the twist. Here's what's interesting. Jesus, in the human flesh, actually lives up to the law which is spiritual paul says the law is of a it's spiritual in other words paul is thinking of it as like a spiritual substance that flesh cannot touch but jesus can and did hebrews tells us that jesus was perfect he never sinned why do we die Because we have the virus of sin in us. The consequence of sin is death. But Jesus did not deserve to die. Could not die. Because he went beyond flesh and did something no human being, no flesh had ever done before. He did something spiritual. So there's something very interesting that happened that Paul tells us. He tells us that this whole thing, the law, was a chance to let things get as bad as they could possibly get, to let sin expand to, like, its greatest place, and all of that would then get sucked in on this sacrifice that would clear us. Throughout the Bible, when you sin, You made a sacrifice. You would go and say, I have committed this sin unwillingly or against my knowledge. There's a difference between intentional sin and unintentional sin in the Bible. There's a huge difference between the two in the Bible, actually. We always say that, oh, all sin is the same. Biblically, it's not. There are actually varying degrees of sin. That includes for Jesus, who said, I'll forgive anything, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, I won't forgive that one. In other words, Jesus held a death sentence still for one particular sin. So Jesus had his own like understanding of degrees of sin even though it was all forgivable. Just because it's forgivable does not mean it's all the same. A little white lie and murdering someone is not the same. Even if you've heard that in church, it's not. It's a different debt to those. But Jesus comes in and instead of sacrificing a lamb, instead of sacrificing a cow, instead of sacrificing an animal that required a lot of value to buy to make up for your sin, Jesus becomes a priceless sacrifice. He is God in flesh. He has done something spiritual. He has done something no one's done before. He's lived up to the law, and so when they go to kill him, and Jesus says, I'm gonna let this death that I don't deserve be a sacrifice for anyone who wants to follow me he becomes not just a sacrifice among sacrifices he becomes the sacrifice there is nothing that can beat this and in that moment something interesting happens all sin is put on Jesus on the cross as he yells out father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and in that moment Sin gravitates towards one place and is defeated. And then Jesus rises again, rises again. But it's interesting. Jesus is no longer a substance of flesh. He is a hybrid of flesh and spiritual. Paul will often, or at least once or twice, talk about the resurrection body as a spiritual substance. Jesus takes all the sin of the world on him, Takes it to his grave. Shows up in the underworld of Sheol, where Satan is and all the other disembodied, rebellious beings of the underworld are. He joints the keys of sin and death, (laughs) and then he leaves. He comes back to earth with a new body, one that is startlingly, startlingly different than the one he had before. People don't always recognize him. He looks different. There's even some parts where it seems like Peter like both recognizes him and doesn't at the same time. Jesus breaks bread and vanishes. Like that's that's an angel type thing to just be able to disappear out of the room. That's not a fleshly, holy spirit infused type thing. As far as I know, I guess maybe he does it once earlier, but he just breaks the bread and vanishes. He can disguise himself. He can walk through walls to see the disciples as they're hiding inside on the other side of the walls. Jesus has put on a body that is immortal, that can never die. And Paul just loves that because he's like, that's what we all get. Jesus is foreshadowing for the rest of us. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the first one to be resurrected. And if he's the firstborn, then we're the secondborn, thirdborn. We all get to put on the resurrected body at some point. We all get to live in this new heaven and new earth that we all come back to. Who knows? Did Jesus ascend into heaven because he was God or did he ascend into heaven because the resurrected body allowed him to go back and forth between heaven and earth? I don't know. We'll learn one day. Like, will we have that capability as well to just, well, I'm heading off to heaven. See you. I don't (laughs) know. That would be pretty cool, though. Jesus comes back, puts on a spiritual body And then he tells humans something interesting. He tells them, if you follow me, put your faith in me, believe in me, then you, you broken humans who can't live up to the law, who have never been able to pull it off, You broken humans who have sinned, I have decided to forgive you, I have loved you while you were sinners, and if you decide to give your entirety to me, give your allegiance to me, put your faith in me, and live like you have faith in me, and put your belief and understanding in me that I am God and I have risen from the dead, if you believe all that and you follow me and you do what I say and you call me king as I am, you become a citizen of heaven, and then something interesting happens to humanity and their fleshliness. They change, and they too become spiritual beings. Now, here's the difficulty for most of us today. A lot of us say, I don't feel spiritual. <laughs> I'm still struggling with the same old sin. I'm still dealing with this over here. I get angry. I, I do things that I shouldn't do. I mean, just today, I was walking around the store, and there were like, underwear ads, like, just plastered across the ceiling. And, like, my body wanted to just linger for a moment. And I had to, like, pull myself out of that. Like, that's part of I'm trying to be a spiritual being in the midst of a difficult world trying to pull me back to flesh. The spiritual, yes, it does come later. Where we are fully adapted to Jesus' resurrected body. But here's Paul's thing. It has totally, completely already started now. And he believes that we can live in this already but not yet resurrected life. We're sure we're still going to die. But we don't have to. That will be repaired later. But right now we can live into the eternality of life. Yeah, we still will deal with sin, but Paul is so bold, especially in Romans 8, right after this, to say that we no longer should be sinning. We no longer can sin. If we truly are going to be spiritual beings, we need to break all sin out of our lives. That's not a message often preached in church. We just say, well, it's going to it's going to suck until we die. Then one day God will fix it. But Paul believed that resurrection was so strong right now in the already that we could actually break free of sin. So something interesting happens. Now that we're spiritual beings, essentially we can live up to the law because the law was spiritual. But. The law is different now. It used to be a written code and Paul isn't telling us we live into the law of the written code. Paul is telling us we live into the law of the spirit. So the law is no longer co-opted by sin for Christians. We look at the law and we understand it because we looked at Jesus who interprets the law perfectly. The Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus tells us what the law said. He tells us how people have interpreted it. And then he looks at us and said, you guys have been interpreting it wrong. And it's always surprising. You guys think eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth means that you should hurt each other. Let me tell you what it means. It means turn the other cheek and and be pacifistic. Whoa. (laughs) I missed that one, Jesus. You are right. We misinterpreted it. But here's what Jesus does. The law, which is spiritual, moves its place too. Just as sin falls on Jesus and is broken down, the law moves on Jesus. And Jesus becomes the law. He is the law of Christ, as Paul will call him elsewhere. so all that's left as a Christian is your focus on Jesus the Bible actually uses the Greek word to talk about resurrection it uses the Greek word for metamorphosis what a weird thing when a caterpillar goes into a little cocoon and pops out later and you don't even recognize it that if you would put the two things together and you had never seen a cocoon before you'd be like how is this the same thing that's what Paul does with the resurrection (laughs) The fleshly, old, law-abiding humanity of the old Adam that sins is the caterpillar. And the resurrected human that no longer heads towards sin but walks towards eternal life and has been empowered with the Holy Spirit to live differently and to live forever is the butterfly. You are the butterfly. There is no humanity out there on the earth today like Christians. You have already moved into a different phase. And another phase is coming. But on the spiritual timeline, you are different. So when you look at the rest of the world and think, man, I really want to live like that, the Holy Spirit inside of you convicts you, no, I've called you to a different way and I've empowered you to live a different way. This is what's left. Spiritual humans spiritual Jesus, giving to one another. Jesus giving his Holy Spirit to us and empowering us, us giving him our allegiance and doing what he says as he empowers us to do it. I'll leave you with Romans 8, 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. He put on sin and condemned sin. Jesus wasn't condemned. The sin that was collected on Him was condemned. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God, we thank you for a chance to come together and just listen to uh, your word of Romans. We pray that we might lean into resurrection today and every day. We know that our mission statement here at 1208 is in Jackson as it is in heaven. And we can't bring Jackson to heaven if we're not living like the resurrected citizens of heaven. The way we infuse Jackson with heaven is by living the new life out right now. God, there are secular organizations that do not follow you that know plenty about charity. That's not the kingdom of heaven. Charity is when Jesus walks through our feet and installs heaven through our actions, through the good works. Just as you, Jesus, said to to let your light shine before all men that they might see your good works and, and praise your Father who is in heaven. We are called to good works. We are called to do that here in Jackson. That's how people see Jesus. Others might do charity and point somewhere else. But we do charity and point to you. And say you're welcome in this family too. Give your allegiance to Christ and come. Teach us how to do that more and more every day. Whatever sins we're dealing with help us break them. Whatever habits we have. Would you uh, both heal them supernaturally. But also give us the strength to fight against them naturally. Holy Spirit, you do not leave us alone. You don't leave us as orphans. Jesus, you said it was better if you left. Because if you left, we all would get the Holy Spirit. It would no longer just be 12 disciples working with your Holy Spirit inside of you. It would be countless disciples for generations upon generations walking the earth and cultivating it to look like heaven. So we do that here in Jackson. And we thank you for your trust in us to do that. Let us honor you. In his name, amen. All right, you're dismissed. We'll catch you at any of our things throughout the week. And if not, next Sunday. See you.